0: Hello and welcome to Socialism, the Marxist podcast from the Socialist Party. Our podcast aims to understand, explain and prepare us all for the fight for socialism. It's produced by members and party activists. Don't miss an episode. Hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.
1: Unspeakable suffering and horror is taking place as the Israel Gaza war unfolds, and the end is not in sight. This episode, Behind the Headlines How Can the Israel Palestine Conflict Be Solved?, is going to deal with the processes and factors that have brought us to this point, and crucially, what is the way out. I'm Sarah Sax Eldridge. Today I will be speaking to Judy Beeshen, who is a member of the Socialist Party's Executive Committee and of the International Secretariat of the Committee for a Workers' International, which is the World Socialist Organization to which the Socialist Party is affiliated. Hello, Judy. Hello, Sarah. Another terrible Israel-Gaza war began just over two weeks ago, with civilians killed on both sides. The human suffering is immense. Is there any end in sight yet to it? Well... The death toll at the moment
2: is rising fast. It's at over 4,700 in the Gaza Strip. And that is already more than in any of the previous Israel-Gaza wars, in fact. It includes whole families, many children. Half the population of the Strip are children, in fact. Of course, this war did start by the deaths of 1,400 people... In Israel, at the hands of Hamas, and we in the Socialist Party oppose the targeting of civilians on either side of this conflict. But bloody retribution, as we're seeing at the moment, won't bring security to Israel. And the death toll of Palestinians in Gaza is now way outstripping that of Israelis uh, that were killed at the start. And it is, as I said, set to escalate a lot higher because we're seeing large areas of Gaza bombed to rubble uh something like before this weekend it was said that 20% of homes in the north of the strip had been destroyed or badly damaged by bombing and the bombing's been stepped up in the last uh, day or so Gazans were told to leave the north of the strip but have nowhere to go um you know they're they're crushing into the south of the strip but, while well, uh, being bombed, some of them, uh, en route. And in any case, the south of the Strip is being hit by bombs as well. It's a completely trapped population and under a horrific, tight blockade because Israel is not allowing in hardly any fuel, food, water, medications and so on. So it's collective punishment at a horrific level. And meanwhile, we've seen that... The UK government is among those, including Biden's administration in the US, that has completely backed this onslaught on Gaza. Initially, they gave 100% support to Israel in attacking Gaza. And then when the horrific images appeared on TV screens everywhere, they switched to urging some restraint and they put some pressure on the Israeli leaders to allow uh, some aid into what was initially a complete blockade by the Israeli regime. But that switch was just due to the massive anger that was developing from below across the world, really. Uh, It definitely wasn't due to any genuine concern for the Palestinians. There's utter hypocrisy from them, in fact, and you only have to compare their attitude on this to... The uh, situation in Ukraine, where it suits their interests to condemn the Russian military aggression on Ukrainian civilians and to try to draw as many other countries around the world as possible into an anti-Russia, anti-China axis. But when it comes to the Palestinians, it suits the Western capitalist powers economically and geopolitically to safeguard their strong relations with Israel in this way. So... It's one attitude regarding Ukrainian civilians, but
1: quite another towards those in Gaza and what's happening there. Thanks, uh, Judy. I mean, we are speaking here on Monday the 23rd of October. Just need to sort of tell listeners at what point in this situation we are speaking. But at this stage, what do we know about Israel's strategy for continuing with this brutal war? What will they uh, see as a victory?
2: Yeah, that's... Um, A very important question. Um, Of course, um, I I should also perhaps have just said that the imperialist powers greatly fear the spread of this war. Mm. Uh, You know, they sent warships to the eastern Mediterranean and uh, uh, the Secretary of State in the US rushed to Israel, followed by Biden himself, followed by Macron in France and Sunak in the UK, uh, they all want to stop the war from spreading. And of course, you know, it could spread across the West Bank, East Jerusalem. Uh, It could spread to the northern front with Hezbollah. Um, Hezbollah is, is a stronger force than Hamas, and there have already been exchanges of fire on that border. And interventions from other countries or forces in the region are also possible, in particular, other Iran-sponsored organisations, such as in Syria, in Yemen, in, in Iraq, it's uh, in, in obviously uh, in, in a very volatile situation and unpredictable how this war is going to unfold. A US base has been attacked in Iraq, uh, f- uh, for instance. But um, but on on what the the Israeli strategy is that, that you've just asked, uh, I think uh, well. Clearly, the air attacks are ongoing. There's no end in sight yet on that. And a ground invasion is being prepared. 360,000 reservists called up in Israel. On top of a a standing army, that's 170,000. And there's been a bit of a delay in sending them in, which probably reflects some uncertainty and discussion at the top about what the purpose will be. Um, but also to allow training for what will be very difficult warfare for the Israeli troops in streets and buildings and tunnels that Hamas knows very well. Uh, And even they're going to face difficulties on how to get across all the rubble that has been created by the bombing that in in itself won't make their conditions easier. Uh, Really, um, when they go in, none of the options will be good for them They've said over and over again that they want to eradicate Hamas and that they will eradicate Hamas. But that is completely impossible. And it's not just Hamas. There's other Palestinian militias. Islamic Jihad took part in the attack on the 7th of October. Uh, New militias can form, as they have done in the West Bank. And the other issue for the Israeli regime is what rule could they impose to replace Mm. the Hamas rule in the Gaza Strip. If they went for a direct occupation, that would place Israeli soldiers as as daily targets for Palestinian fighters. And if they tried to get the Palestinian Authority uh, regime in the West Bank, which collaborates with Israel, to also rule in the Gaza Strip, then that, as well would be unworkable, because that Palestinian Authority is completely detested by mm. Palestinians for being corrupt, and for that collaboration with Israel, that uh, the way it represses Palestinians on behalf of Israel, in fact. And also, I mean another factor, if it involved the Palestinian Authority would be it would be then um, allowing a link between the West Bank and the Gaza Strip, which doesn't exist at the moment. They've separated them off. Uh, And so, of course, um, you know, one of the the strategies of uh, of successive Israeli governments has been to atomise the Palestinians. They're atomised in the West Bank. They're separated into enclaves. Um, And separating the Gaza Strip is obviously another divide-and-rule way that they can try to stop uh, the, and the next uprising of the Palestinians, the next Intifada, um, or you know at least try to place an obstacle in its path. but um the well, what 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 will the Israeli strategy be mm-hmm. in a ground invasion? I mean it's difficult, obviously we can't predict, but there was a report in the Financial Times that said that as well as trying to limit Hamas and stop its ability to launch rockets on Israel and to recover some of the hostages that have been taken and are being held in Gaza, that they could be going for the aim of a more complete separation between the Gaza Strip and Israel with a a bigger buffer zone. And uh, then the other issue that's been raised is because the Israeli military have ordered over a million Gazans to move from the north of the Gaza Strip to the south, then that raises the prospect of making it impossible for them to, to go back, which could well be the intention of the Israeli war cabinet, mm-hmm. you know, uh, basically to make Gaza smaller. And that was even blurted out as a possible objective by an Israeli minister some days ago who said um, basically that, precisely that, that Gaza would need to be smaller mm-hmm. at the end of this this war. So, that would be creating a new fact on the ground, like the taking of territory in the West Bank has been over a long period of time. That, in fact, was the preoccupation of the government, the Israeli government, before this war, which has been the most right wing government in Israeli history, with far right ministers involved in it. Um, some of them, by the way, uh, some of the, the most right-wing politicians would like to see a mass-enforced displacement out of Gaza of Palestinians in that strip, into pushing them into Egypt or maybe uh, into other Arab countries. That would be strongly opposed by the Egyptian leaders, although they couldn't necessarily prevent it. And also, I think we can say that the Israeli regime will come under great pressure from the US and other Western imperialist countries not to go that far because of the, the chance of fueling a wider Middle East war. But uh, we can't rule that out. We can't rule that out from happening. But whatever the Israeli war cabinet decides to do, it clearly won't bring greater security for people in Israel and hamas is not just an organization a party but it's an ideology that can be taken up by the sons and daughters of those who were killed if they don't see any alternative than to uh, pursue that um, that ideology no amount of military power at the end of the day is going to stop the palestinians aspirations for freedom from occupation and for the
1: right to determine their own future thanks judy Um, That's right. And why would you say, though, then that Hamas did carry out that offensive into Israel on the 7th of October? And why now? Why that? And what attitude should socialists take to Hamas and what it did?
2: Well, first of all, it's necessary to place what happened in the context of the history of the conflict There was mass forced displacement of Palestinians around the time that Israel was created in 1948. That's referred to as the Nakba in Arabic, meaning catastrophe. Then later in the 1967 war, Israel took control of East Jerusalem, the West Bank and the Gaza Strip. Jewish settlements were then encouraged and expanded in the West Bank by successive Israeli governments with the aim of taking as much of the West Bank as possible as Israeli territory, but uh, also with the aim of making a Palestinian state unviable. That, that's clear. And as I said earlier, the Palestinians have been split into what uh, are poverty-stricken enclaves in the West Bank. They're brutally repressed. Their mobility is restricted. And in some areas, especially East Jerusalem, they face home demolitions and evictions. They also face regular violence from right-wing Zionist Jewish settlers. The Gaza Strip has a trapped population, blockaded off by Israel and also by Egypt, and um, it's, it's, it's a horrific situation. I mean, the, I was reading a, a list that's on the Guardian website today of some of the civilians who have been killed by Israeli missiles in recent days. And one of them was a 19-year-old student called Besan Helassa, who was killed alongside her mother and two siblings. And just a few days ago, she, she wrote on social media of her dreams for a future and she summed up the situation for Gazans by writing, me and my people are subjugated, persecuted, killed and tortured in an open air prison. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those words really do do sum up what life is like for the Palestinians in Gaza. Now, you asked about Hamas. Well, Hamas has positioned itself as leading the fight against all of this. And lying behind its motives for its 7th of October offensive into Israel would have been its desire to maintain its position as being seen as leaders of the Palestinian resistance. But socialists can't give any support to what is a party based on right-wing, pro-capitalist religious politics, as Hamas is, And if Hamas was able to run a Palestinian state, it would be an authoritarian capitalist Islamist theocracy because of its ideology. And it is tied to the rotten capitalist system and therefore would be unable to deliver decent living standards for the Palestinians in that state. Its ideology puts it against workers' democracy and rights, against equality for women... Against equality for LGBTQ plus people, and its military strategies uh, wouldn't even, you know, be able to get to that point of a Palestinian state, because it does not have the strategies to bring about liberation. Its military apparatus and numbers isn't going to be able to defeat the much greater military might of the Israeli forces, and. Its targeting of Israeli civilians, as we saw on the 7th of October, is counterproductive. Uh, And the the killing of them, but also the taking of civilian captives, because it pushes Israeli Jewish workers towards supporting brutal retaliation by the Israeli state. It pushes them um, closer to the interests of the capitalists in Israel, instead of trying to split them away from identifying with the interests of that capitalist class. And of course, a capitalist class with a vast military
1: apparatus. That's right. The figures have been coming out over the weekend, haven't they, of how much arms Britain has been sending to the Israeli state. But what you've just said there poses the question, what can the Palestinians then do to end the occupation and achieve their own state? Well, the most
2: effective action so far in the history of the Palestinian struggle was what's uh, generally called the First Intifada, and that was a mass uprising that broke out at the end of 1987. And it was very difficult for the Israeli forces to counter that uprising because of its mass participation. We saw uh, in 2011... In the so-called Arab Spring, how mass movements in a number of Arab countries were able to topple regimes. In fact, in Tunisia and Egypt, and those regimes had very strong military apparatuses, but faced with mass movements, uh, they were unable to to um, to survive in their, the form that they were in at that time. Those those uh, authoritarian regimes. That is the power of mass movements. But then the Second Intifada, which broke out in the year two wasn't based on mass struggle. It was a step backwards, in fact, because it was based on the methods of uh, uh, terror t- tactics of suicide bombings inside Israel, which killed Israeli civilians and didn't advance the Palestinian struggle because... It only really paved the way for increasingly right-wing governments, in fact, in Israel, with more and more oppression on the Palestinians. So the way forward is through a revival of mass struggle, and there have been some localised mass struggles of the Palestinians in recent years, but there needs to be a, a unified, as large as possible, mass struggle, a new intifada, which we sometimes refer to as the need for a socialist intifada, because it needs to be democratically organised and based on the interests of workers and the poor, independence, completely independent of the interests of the Palestinian rich elite. And we would also say that it needs to aim its might as a mass movement against the uh, the force, the Israeli forces and infrastructure of, of the occupation. And also, the Palestinians need to organise en masse for defence against attacks by the Israeli military on them and from also the violently aggressive settlers who also um, attack and kill Palestinians. And by uh, focusing on those objectives, the Palestinians can then appeal to Israeli workers in Israel to at least understand the Palestinians' Need for the struggle, what their objectives are, they can uh, explain that their objectives are not aimed at Israeli civilians, but they're aimed at ending the occupation and securing liberation for the Palestinians, uh, achieving the the right to self determination of the Palestinians. Um, And on that basis, they can try to gain support in Israel amongst ordinary people for an end to the occupation and the repression and i should also add that we fully support the right of the palestinians to have arms for their defence and struggle mm. after all they're up against the uh, enormous arms of the israeli state but as i said how they use those arms is important In, you know they need to be directed against the the occupation and uh, the other thing i should add is that Palestinians in the territories also need to build their own political representation, not just uh, struggle, because none of their pro-capitalist political parties offer any way out of the oppression that they're enduring. So they need to build a Palestinian mass workers' party based on socialist ideas, which would mean putting forward the need to remove the capitalist system in Palestine with all of its exploitation and inequality and replace it with public ownership of the key companies and resources in society and bring in socialist economic planning so that people's needs can be met um, and very importantly as well on an an environmentally sustainable basis.
1: Absolutely. So, What then about uh, the situation in Israel, Judy? Because clearly right now there's support for the war amongst uh, Jewish people following the Hamas attack. And there's also questioning about how future attacks can be prevented. What would you say is the path forward there? Well,
2: Israel is in its biggest crisis ever uh, now, the worst situation it's ever faced in its entire history. For the Israeli capitalists, the 7th of October was a major humiliation because their world-renowned, sophisticated surveillance technology was not able to prevent a devastating attack by what is a much smaller, very suppressed force and although actually, I mean, it's very possible they did know an attack by Hamas was being prepared, but not to the extent of it. They certainly have not prepared for the extent of it and, and understood the extent of it. And um, it's clear that in Israel as a whole, there's a very high level of support for the onslaught that's taking place at the moment on Gaza because of the killings that took place in Israel at the start of this war. They had a massive impact in Israel, those killings of civilians. It was um, said by the Israeli president that that day was the worst death toll of Jewish people in a single day since the Holocaust. And so it's, it's not surprising that it's raised the fear of Israeli Jewish people that they could be facing a new period of struggle for uh, existence, in fact. But um, it's it's uh, at the same time in Israel uh, a, a situation of massive anger towards the Prime Minister Netanyahu and his government, which means he's unlikely to last very long once this war is over. The anger is, is massive and there's cause for him to, to go already, even in this uh, war situation. The whole, um, it's not just the government, but the military tops, the intelligence arms of the state, they're all being blamed for not having kept civilians safe. And ordinary people feel, basically, that they were abandoned by a state that they thought had been built precisely for the purpose of protecting its Jewish citizens. So we've seen um, very dramatic scenes in Israel of government ministers uh, being chased away from visiting hospitals uh, and shouted at. The the environment minister visited a hospital and a doctor yelled at her, you ruined this country, get out of here. <laughs> and this whole situation is really a massive problem for the ruling class in Israel, especially as it comes after what was a, a nine-month a mass movement unprecedented movements in its scale against the the right-wing government before the war and that movement included a general strike back in march It it wasn't just a working class movement it was it included big business individuals it was a what we could call a cross-class movement but for its hundreds of thousands of participants it was about defending democracy because the right wing government uh, was trying to curb checks on it by the High Court. But as well, for most ordinary people in Israel, uh, that issue was combined with anger over bread and butter issues, in particular the rising cost of living. In, and as I said, I mean, it was a movement of unprecedented scale, and it included thousands of army reservists who were refusing to serve in the military during that movement but have now been drawn again uh, into serving because of the crisis situation that uh, has has emerged in this war. The self-appointed leaders of that movement, uh, it wasn't a democratically organised movement, but but the the leaders of it didn't include ending the occupation in the movement's demands. And we need to say... Clearly, as socialists, that future movements in Israel will need to address that question. Mm-hmm. It will need to, They will need to address the needs of the Palestinians in the territories and not forgetting the needs of Palestinian residents inside Israel and also in the Palestinian diaspora in the Middle East and worldwide. Um, but they will need to address those those issues because security will not be possible for Israeli Jewish people without adopting a socialist program that includes recognizing the rights of all peoples in Israel Palestine, the rights of the Palestinians as well as the rights of Israeli Jews. And um, we can um, uh, it's important to remember and note that inside Israel. Uh, There are mixed cities and areas. There are workplaces where struggles take place involving both uh, Jewish workers and Palestinian workers. And there was a report in the Israeli newspaper Haaretz that after the war, since in the last two weeks, there have been some united... Uh, groups of, uh, sort of action groups of Jewish uh, workers and Palestinian workers formed in two mixed areas, in Haifa and Jaffa, uh, precisely to counter division, to counter uh, sectarian division and clashes. So that is the way forward. Um, those types of groups and actions need to be the early beginnings towards the building of a new workers' party in Israel that can promote the interests of Israeli Jewish people and the Palestinian minority in Israel and that can adopt a program for satisfying the rights of the Palestinians for a genuine Palestinian state alongside Israel and for no discrimination inside Israel against Palestinians who live in Israel Um, and you know it has to be a socialist programme, because there won't be a genuine Palestinian state or any solution under capitalism. The Israeli capitalist class is not prepared to allow a Palestinian state on its doorstep that would have a claim on what it sees as its own territory. So uh, for Israeli uh, Jewish people, it's only through building independent working class organisations in Israel and a mass workers party with a socialist programme that Israeli capitalism can be removed with its massive inequality in Israel, in fact, and also its perpetuation of the national conflict. And we would argue that on a socialist basis, uh, people's needs, basic needs um, and desires could be met on both sides of the divide Poverty could be ended on both sides of the divide, and that would lay the basis for cooperation rather than conflict, and for the uh, finding of solutions by negotiation between elected workers' representatives on both sides to all of the issues that are so intractable on a capitalist basis. Uh, Borders, how Jerusalem can be shared, how natural resources can be shared and on many other issues, they could be resolved on the basis of democratic decision-making with full accountability of those engaged in the negotiations to those who have elected them to to, to take part in those discussions and negotiations. At the end of the day, both sides want the right to self-determination, and that. Self-determination is only possible on that basis through cooperation and through um, changing the system so that living standards can be raised for all people in the in the region.
1: Thanks, Judy. That's really a useful uh, explanation of the situation. So, one final question, if you will. Um, You mentioned earlier that there are dangers and fears uh, that this war could spread beyond Israel and Gaza. So the last question I wanted to ask you in this podcast is what impact is this war having on the world and how will that change if the war spreads, in your opinion?
2: Well, it's clear that um, the the US US imperialism and, and the other Western imperialist powers were looking away from the Middle East when this war started, and they've lost some influence in the Middle East. They had the crises uh, after their interventions and during their interventions in Iraq and Afghanistan um, and tried to draw a line under that and turn to uh, looking at countering uh, China's influence. the us U.S imperialism has really turned its it, it had turned its its eyes to the the Pacific and its um, its military preparations to that area as well, and was really uh, ignoring the Pal- Israel-Palestine conflict. Uh, but where it was looking at intervention in the Middle East, it was trying to pursue deals between the some of the Arab elites and Israel. The Trump uh, administration, the previous uh, US government, had pursued deals between four arab regimes and israel and then the biden administration has been trying to get a deal between saudi arabia and and israel but those talks are now completely off the agenda for the foreseeable future due to the mass outrage Mm. in saudi arabia over the slaughter of palestinians in gaza And it's clear that stopping those talks was one of the aims of Hamas, as well as bolstering its own position. And it would have been backed by pressure and aid, uh, almost certainly from Iran, in that objective. And the previously made Arab deals with Israel face consequences too. Uh, For instance, in Bahrain and Morocco, there have been big demonstrations where protesters have called for an end to the deals with Israel none of those deals included any meaningful attempts to help the Palestinian situation, and there's, there's great anger about that. And these demonstrations that are taking place across the Middle East are obviously expressing great anger about what Israel's doing, but there's also anger tipping over towards their own um, regimes as well, their own governments. For instance, in Cairo at the weekend... There were reported to be a lot of uh, slogans from the protesters that were aimed at the Egyptian government as well as uh, against Israel. And really, across the Middle East, there's there's massive discontent in every country um, and really outrage on what's happening to the Palestinians has added to, to the discontent over the, the cost of living crisis, um, you know, the, the crisis in the economies and the impact that's having on... The masses across the Middle East. So, Arab uprisings from below can break out, um, as well as all sorts of other um, upheavals in the next period. Whether it's um, you know attacks on oil refineries, which can affect the the world supply of oil, um, maybe disruption to, to the Suez Canal. There's all sorts of possibilities uh, that, that ways that we could see uh, revolts being expressed. And it's clear that the world powers really fear the development of war that really would, would impact on, on the world in many ways. Mm-hmm. And the regional, regional elites fear that as well. Um, and they don't want to intervene directly themselves in the Israel-Palestine conflict because of inflaming things further. And that applies to Iran as well. But at the same time, they can't entirely control events. Uh, things can spiral out of their, their control. So uh, it's, it is a very unpredictable and volatile situation. And we saw how the Ukraine war added considerable volatility to the world situation. And now this war has added to that. And it could seriously impact as well on the, the world economy, through in many ways which in any case is facing uh, a slowing and big problems with massive debt levels inflation supply chains the u.s china competition and the protectionism that is is uh, resulting from that and from from other competition Uh, and we could add you know the list goes on extreme weather events are obviously a, a big factor as well but Turning back to the impact of the war, there's also, in Europe, very large demonstrations in some countries. There have been in London, against the bombing on Gaza. Um, But in some countries, protests have been banned. For instance, in parts of France, there have been bans on demonstrations. So we're seeing clashes with uh, the police and other state forces breaking out due to state repression against simply demonstrating, against, you know, just uh, demonstrators trying to defend the right to demonstrate as well as uh, raise the particular issue, that the bombardment of Gaza. And there's even attacks on what people say um, in regards to the war. In some cases, uh, you know, there's been action taken against students, for instance, just for speaking their mind about, uh, about the war. Uh, in Britain, in France, and in other countries. So there's a need for trade unionists and other workers to organise together um, everywhere against state repression, for the right to be able to express anti-war views, to be able to demonstrate. And it's also important for workers to uh, be united in... Resisting and opposing and organizing against racism and racist attacks on both Jews and Muslims, because of course, you know, that can be another way that division can blow up inside cities in Europe and elsewhere. There's substantial Jewish populations in some of the cities of Europe who really fear being targeted with anti Semitic actions. And we've obviously got to um, you know, be involved in, in opposing any actions of that nature. And as socialists, uh, we need to argue on these big demonstrations that are taking place for socialist solutions, for socialist ideas, for a socialist solution in the Middle East, of course, um, a socialist Palestinian state alongside a socialist Israel, Um, but not just that it would need to be in a socialist confederation of the middle east and we have to get out socialist ideas in our own countries uh, to build support for the only form of society that can meet people's needs for decent living standards and for uh, being able to put an end to the prospect of future wars across the globe um, wherever they might break out and uh Obviously, it's only by getting rid of capitalism, by a socialist transformation that the rights of people um, t- to be free from oppression and to be able to democratically decide their own future can be uh, guaranteed. So uh, that's what we're fighting for and that's what we'd urge everyone to, to join us in, in, um, in arguing for
1: brilliant judy thank you very much for that extremely concisely put but uh answering all my questions today um hopefully to people listening to that this podcast has fueled your interest in marxism if so uh, there are three things that you now need to do so you've listened but firstly get yourself a ticket to socialism 2023 It will be an in-person weekend of discussion and debate on ideas to change the world. It's hosted by the Socialist Party and actually Judy is going to be among the many speakers introducing workshops where you will have a chance to not just listen like you've done today but to ask those questions forming in your head as you've listened to this, to raise your own points, to argue if you wish. And you'll be among hundreds of socialist fighters, of people who want to change the world. Uh, So it is going to be a brilliant weekend. And Socialism 2023 takes place over the weekend of the 25th and 26th of November in London. You can buy a ticket, including a ticket that uh, includes a hostel accommodation for the Saturday night. There's a free crash throughout. And like I said, it's going to be a really excellent weekend for everyone who wants to change the world. And for tickets and info, you can go to www.socialism.org.uk The second thing that you need to do after listening to this podcast is to get yourself a subscription to Socialism Today. That's the monthly magazine of the Socialist Party and there you'll find that Judy is a regular writer and in fact she has an article in the upcoming November issue on Is a Palestinian State Possible? where you can read some of the ideas that she's raised today and more. And the magazine provides Marxist insight on a whole range of subjects. Class struggle, historical subjects, theoretical subjects, international subjects, uh, and much, much more. So for that, you go to www.socialismtoday.org. And of course, the last thing that you need to do if you've enjoyed this podcast today... Is you need to get in touch with the Socialist Party to dis- discuss with us about becoming a member and joining us in raising the ideas that Judy has explained today and fighting to change the world. Until next time, solidarity.
0: Socialism is produced by the Socialist Party, the England and Wales section of the Committee for a Workers' International. If you would like to get in touch about anything discussed here or to join the Socialist Party, please email info at socialistparty.org.uk. You can find further reading in the notes in your podcast app and on our websites. For the Socialist Party, that's www.socialistparty.org.uk. For those listening in other parts of the world especially, we recommend checking out the CWI with analysis of world events to join the fight for socialism in your country That's www.socialistworld.net. Editing is done by a team of member volunteers, including producer Chris Cook, without whom this podcast is not possible. Get in touch if you have skills you would like to contribute. If you want to get in touch, email info at socialistparty.org.uk. The Socialist Party relies on funding from our members and supporters. We have no big business backers or adverts, which allows us to maintain our political independence. Can you help fund this podcast? You can make a regular donation or a one-off payment at socialistparty.org.uk forward slash donate. Even more importantly, do you agree with the ideas of the Socialist Party as we have raised here? We want you to become a member and join the fight for a socialist world. Get in touch today. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so we can see you next time.